Good morning. Good to see you here today. Take your revivals if you would. Turn to Luke chapter number 20. Luke chapter 20 and verse number 20. This morning's message is death and taxes. Isn't that encouraging? Talking about taxes is a fun way to start an argument. Speaking of starting an argument, there was a cartoon that showed a man sitting in front of an IRS agent who said, well, let's start with the fact that you've claimed depreciation on your wife. Man, I wouldn't suggest that if I were you. We all understand that really nobody likes to pay taxes. They didn't in Jesus' day, and we don't today. Taxes are not a voluntary contribution. To fail to pay one's taxes or to pay less than one should is a sure way to get the attention of the government and to discover just how strongly they feel about the payment of your taxes. Whenever I hear of someone who says, I don't pay any taxes, I remind them that when the gangster Al Capone was sent to prison, prison, it was not for any of his criminal enterprises, it was for tax evasion. Of course, the payment of taxes is a very pragmatic matter, for governments do not run without money, and taxes are the way they get their money. But paying one's taxes is also a symbolic act, evidencing his or her submission to the one that is paid to. Paying taxes is thus a practical acknowledgement of the government's right to rule over us and our submission to its authority. Someone has said that while there are just two certainties in life, death and taxes, at least death doesn't get worse every time Congress is in session. A man on a vacation was, was strolling along outside his ho hotel in Acapulco. He was enjoying the sunny Mexican weather. Suddenly, he was attracted by the screams of a woman kneeling in front of a child. The man knew enough Spanish to determine that the boy had swallowed a coin. Seizing the boy by his ankles, the man held him up and gave him a good, few good shakes. An American quarter dropped into the sidewalk. Oh, thank you, sir, cried the woman. You seem to know just how to get it out of him. Are you a doctor? No, ma'am, he replied. I am with the United States Internal Revenue Service. Remember the old saying, politics makes for strange bedfellows? Well, that's certainly the case here in Luke chapter number 20. Jesus has answered the challenge of the Jewish leadership about his authority to cleanse the temple and about his authority to teach in the temple. First, with an embarrassing question concerning where John the Baptist got his authority, and then with a parable. According to verse number 19, they were so infuriated that they would have arrested Jesus on the spot had they not been hindered by their fear of the crowd in the temple. So they decided then and there to trap Jesus. They decided somehow to trap him into condemning himself with his own words. So in verse 20, 
It says, so they watched him and they sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. The religious leadership of Israel formed a conspiracy against Jesus. And according to Mark chapter 12 and verse 13, it was the Herodians and the Pharisees who formed this coalition. There could hardly be a more unlikely partnership. The Pharisees represented cautious resistance to Rome and the Herodians represented wholesale accommodation to the Roman government. But they cemented their mutual hatred of Jesus. The Pharisees hated him because he was disrupting their religious agenda and the Herodians because he threatened their political arrangements with Rome. Today, it will be like the Democrats and the Republicans getting together and agreeing on anything. It just doesn't happen. About the only thing that the Pharisees and the Herodians did agree on was that Jesus had to go. So in verse 21, we read, Then they ask him, saying, Teacher, we know you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. They came to him with deceitful flattery. What a bunch of hypocrites they were. They no more believed that Jesus taught the way of God in truth than they believed the moon was made out of green cheese. Ironically, however, what they said was true. Jesus said, and he did speak with great authority and he spoke correctly. He did not show favoritism in anything and he did teach the way of God in truth. But their words were empty flattery. Someone has said flattery is patting someone on the back in order to find the soft spot to insert the dagger. Flattery is designed to get us to lower our guard, to make us vulnerable to something. It's like when a teenager comes to their dad and says, you know you're the best dad in the world. You know something else is about to come. You're being played. Flattery is the re reverse mirror image of gossip. Gossip involves saying behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. Flattery is saying to a person's face what you would never say to their back. After these spies thought they had laid their groundwork through flattery, they posed their question in verse 22. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? By limiting the answer to a yes or no answer, they thought they had Jesus trapped. It was like the old question, have you stopped beating your wife? Either way, you're caught. The thought was if Jesus said yes, all the people who expected the Messiah to liberate them from the Romans would desert him. 
But if on the other hand he said no, then the Romans would have arrested him for treason. In this passage, we are left with two obvious and all-encompassing questions. What things belong to Caesar or the government and what things belong to God? Let's look first of all at what Jesus taught about the believer's obligations to the government. Jesus was not fooled by them or taken in by their flattery. He looked beyond their hypocrisy and he saw their evil intent. Verse 23 says, but he perceived their craftiness and he said to them, why do you test me? Show me a Daenerys. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. Jesus asked these religious leaders for a coin, but he specifically asked for a Daenerys. The Daenerys was a small silver coin that had the value of one day's wages. The reason that Jesus asked for that Daenerys is more evident in Matthew's account when he says in Matthew, show me the coin used for paying the tax. You can almost see one of the men without thinking reaching into his robe and pulling out one of those little silver coins. I think there is a touch of humor in that. First of all, it is an embarrassment to his challengers that it is they, not he, who have this coin in their possession. And using that coinage, they had silently accepted Caesar's rule. He then asked them, who owns this coin? Who owns this coin? Who gives value to it? Who did you get it from? Whose image is on this coin? And the answer, of course, to each of those questions is Caesar. And then Jesus said in verse 25, then render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Jesus tells them, this is really not that complicated. Give it back to the one you got it from. It's not yours. It was provided for your use, but it really belongs to Caesar. Give it back to him. It's that simple. I think that Jesus is also recognizing something important here. The Jews benefited from Roman rule. They used the system of Roman roads and they enjoyed the peace that came along with the Roman army. Jesus is saying that they, those who enjoy Caesar's benefits should pay Caesar's taxes. What do we hold then to human government? Is there an obligation there as believers? Jesus says there is in verse 25. He says, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. A Christian's civic duties can be wrapped up in three things. First of all, pay your taxes. God calls us as Christians 
to be good citizens and to pay our taxes. So just what kind of taxes were the Jews faced with? There were three basic times of taxes in Israel at this time. There was a land tax, which was one-tenth of all grains and one-fifth of all the fruit or wine. There was secondly a custom tax, which was collected at the ports and the city gates. A rate were somewhere between two and five percent of the value of the goods. And then there was the poll or the tribute tax, which was the most hated of all the taxes. This was a tax paid by everyone between the ages of 14 and 65, where a census was taken just for the privilege of being alive. It's calculated or speculated that the Roman taxes equal about one-third of a person's income. By comparison, we don't have it that bad. The average American pays about 14% of their income, of course, depending upon your income bracket. Our government provides us with many services. They protect our rights. They establish laws and they punish criminals. They construct and maintain highways. So since we are enjoying the benefits, we need to pay our taxes. The Apostle Paul reiterated the same thing. Only when he said it, Nero was the emperor of Rome and things were much worse for the people of God. He wrote to the church at Rome saying, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention wrote this. The simple principle presented in Romans 13 is that believers in Christ are to pay their taxes and this is regardless of what the state does with the money that you pay them. We sometimes hear the distress of concerned Christians who say the government uses their tax dollars for all kinds of waste and even for evil such as abortion which leads them to question whether they are complicit in such acts and should pay those taxes. While such rationale appear to come from a good motive, Paul says that ultimately such consideration are subservient to the principle of submitting to your governing authorities. Indeed, we can be confident that the Christian who pays such taxes does not have any need to feel guilt that they're complicit with the acts of the state. However, the Christian who refuses to pay, regardless of being well-intentioned, are guilty. We are to pay our taxes. Secondly, we are to pray for our leaders. The apostle Paul urged his son in the faith, Timothy. He said that supplications and prayers and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence.
as Christians, we have the duty to pray for our governmental officials, whether they are from our political party or not, and whether we like them or not. We are to pay our taxes. We are to pray for our leaders. We are to obey the law. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, Paul expands on the words of Jesus. This teaching is so important that it has helped to shape the world as we know it. Paul sets out a general principle in verse number 1 of Romans chapter 13 when he says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Paul says, Caesar has no authority unless it be given to him by God. In these verses, Paul tells us that we are subject to human government, even pagan government, so long as they do not force us to do anything that violates the word of God. As good citizens, we should take seriously our responsibility to vote in elections, to serve on juries, to participate in the political process in our country. So believers' obligation to the state is to pay, to pray, and obey. Secondly, Jesus taught that believers' obligations to God. In the second half of verse 25, he says, and render to God the things that are God's. Just as the denarius was Caesar's coinage, man is God's coinage. The coin belonging to Caesar bore his image, and we bear the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, And so God created man in his own image, an image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Because we bear his image, we owe to God what belongs to him, our lives and our allegiance. The Greek word for image here is a word that is the same word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint, it is the same word that is used to translate Genesis chapter 1, where I just told you about bearing the image of God. Let's look once again at what Jesus said. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Well, I want to close this morning by asking you, what today do we have that belongs to God? First of all, are you holding on to your time? Do you really think it's yours? Because God is saying to you today, I want time with you. I want to know you personally and intimately. Perhaps God is calling you to make a commitment this day to faithfully block out some time for him. Secondly, are you holding on to your tithe, mistakenly thinking that it is really not his but yours? Are you, in fact, robbing God 
That's what Malachi the prophet calls it. God cannot bless those who are stealing from him. Perhaps he's speaking to your heart today, calling you to give up to what doesn't belong to you, but belongs to him. He only does this in order to bless you. God has promised to pour out an abundant blessing upon those who obey him in the matter of the tithe. He wrote in Galatians in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not bless you by opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out such a blessing on you that there will not be room enough to receive it. So it's important to understand that tithing is not a principle that depends on the law of Moses. Some say it's only an Old Testament principle. Malachi chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 through 9 explain that tithing was practiced and honored by God long before the law of Moses. The New Testament speaks with great clarity on the principle of giving. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, and 2 Corinthians 9 make it clear that our giving should be periodic, done at regular periods, that it should be planned, that is thought in advance of giving, that it should be proportionate, giving in proportionate in proportion to our blessings and finally private not made in such a way as to show how generous we are the new testament does emphasize tithing however giving is to be proportional so we should give some percentage and 10 percent is a good place to begin it's hard to find a comparable passage of scripture where the Lord commanded his people to test him. Any other area that you can think of, God has not said, you can do this and test me. But here God says, see if you can give to me and be the poorer for it. See if you can outgive me. There is third, perhaps you're holding on to your talents and abilities. Perhaps you're sitting back, unwilling to really get involved, unwilling to really commit yourself to participate fully in the life of the church. Perhaps the Lord is speaking to you today about getting involved, to get committed, to report for duty, if you will. If God is speaking to you about what you owe him, then you ought to be obedient to him today. Bring your account up to date. It is our duty to do so. Verse 26 gives us this conversation and how it ended. He said, but they could not catch him in his words and in the presence of the people. And they marveled at his answer and they kept silent. When they did not refute, could not refute what he said, they went away in silence. What might... God be asking of you today. Let's pray. Father, we are always... Uh,
caught anew and afresh by the fact that your word is relevant to our lives, that it's not something relegated to past ages, but it's relevant for today. It's relevant for each of us. And each of us are challenged by your word. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning to look at our own lives and how these truths might apply to us, whether we are giving you our time and our tithe and our talent. And if so, what we need to continue to do, and if not, what we need to begin. Father, I pray that you'd apply your truth in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.